before we get into it, I got to tell you, I yes. don't appreciate you like secretly recording me at the beginning when we're just supposed to be having like our little private talks and, and things, you know, leading into the episode. I really don't appreciate you taking those out of context and using them at the beginning of episodes. Just want to throw that out there. Okay, well, I won't do it again. You're lying. You're recording right now, and you're probably going to use that in the opener for this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, episode 15. In this episode, we are doing David Sidaris' Let's Explore Diabetes with Owls, Essays, Etc., I am Ryan, and with me is my good friend and fellow host, Jacob. What is going on? Yes. Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, our little book club, book cult, book home, book something or other that we just want you to come on in and sit down. I don't know why this is the accent that I'm choosing (laughs) for this, but we want you to come on in and sit down, kick your feet up and enjoy a good book with us. I jumped the gun last episode. You did. I talked about how oh, it's feeling like fall because it's 88 today, but you know I, I was a few weeks early because yeah. today legitimately feels like the start of fall. And I know I guess uh, the fall will have started by the time this episode is coming out. But uh, yes. I mean, it was like 66 degrees today. It was cloudy. You kind of had some some leaves falling on the ground. I'm just thinking about pumpkins in my mind. So. We're getting into it. I know I was super, super excited last time about fall, and that's just uh, that's just continued. Yeah. To to be fair, so I mean, I don't know if you've looked at our our uh, statistics for listeners, but like we're seriously like multinational like podcasts. So you know, people may not know that we live in Dallas and think that eighty eight degrees is like fall weather is ridiculous. But when you know that we live in Texas and it's hot as hell. all summer long that when you get that first like 88 degree day you really do sort of rejoice like just seeing 80s again is is a relief yeah uh 60s is pretty unprecedented it'll be be Uh, back up to 90 in a few days or something yeah because that's just that's just how it works but yes welcome episode 15 it just it it still amazes me to this day how many episodes we've got uh we've got under our belt and this is going to be another good one pretty standard episode although we're going. We're stepping out of our comfort zone a little bit. We're not. Yeah. We're not really talking fiction here. Uh, but yeah, pretty standard episode. We're going to tell you a little bit about David Sedaris, give you a quick, dirty summary, and uh, then we're just going to get into it. We're going to get into the meat of our thoughts on these stories, um, how they resonated with us, which ones we like, which ones we didn't like, overall thoughts on just the genre of narrative nonfiction as a whole, and then uh, afterwards, we're obviously going to get to our super sweet, super awesome patented uh, book rating system. Three tiers, four if we're getting rid of it, uh, five if we're just leaving it at a stranger's house uh, that we broke into just to just to plan a book there because you know where else are we going to put it? Six. Um, honestly, honestly, I don't think we're ever going to get to six. If I'm being real, well, it's fall now. We could use it for kindling. That is true. We could use it for kindling. We could use it to practice drawing designs for jack-o'-lanterns on. Sure. Uh, we could give books out to children at trick-or-treat. Like, hey, I didn't want this. Hey, here's yeah. foundation. But um, that's a little mean. I shouldn't say that about the Asimov book. We weren't that low on it. But anyway. I was pretty low on it. And uh, then I afterwards. I literally threw my book away I know. if you forgot. And then afterwards, we'll tell you about what books we've got coming up uh, in future episodes. But Yeah. And so now it's time for our disclaimer. If you haven't read the book, you should read the book. 
uh, and then you should come back and listen to the podcast. Unless you're just a rebel and uh, you just want to listen to podcasts about books that you haven't read. Um, and if that's you, then welcome. Yeah. Uh, kind of weird, but welcome. Yeah, and if you want to listen to this one beforehand, I mean, this one, like I said, or, or that we said, it's kind of... Uh, Narrative nonfiction, a lot of like short little snippets. So things that maybe we like, things that maybe we don't. If you want to go back and check them out and maybe you hadn't read it and maybe that puts you on the rest of the book, who knows? But give it a look. All right. David Sedaris. You know, so. Or Sedaris. Hold on. Is it Sedaris or Sedaris? Because I've heard both. I've heard both. Or is it one of those where it's just, it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of like the speaker just goes with whatever they feel the pronunciation is of it. I, I feel like we should get it right because. We should get it right. Because. Obviously, it's it's a respect thing, and nobody knows how to say my name, and it's always annoying. Uh, actually, it's not annoying because I'm used to it, but it's more impressive when people do know how to say your last sure. name. Um, but I'm trying to remember. I think he says Sedaris, um, and I I can't. I, I saw him do a reading once. I believe that's what it, I listened to the audiobook stuff. Yeah. We can get into that in a sec, but I think it's Sedaris. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, so. I'm I'm not even gonna like really give you an authory an authory an author summary authory. I I like there you the, go. I like the combination. Making new words. Um, because I I feel like if you just if you read his if you read his stuff, um, you get a better sense of who he is, um, than I probably ever could. Now I I will give you a couple interesting tidbits in lieu okay. of in I lieu like of a, a full on summary. Um, still living, interesting guy. Uh, he's got a, a lifelong partner named Hugh, who obviously makes a uh, few appearances. Few appearances. Uh, he does have a prolific family. Um, and his sister Amy is actually an uh an actress. I think she does some screenwriting as well. Um, and there are a couple notables. She's done some like voiceover stuff. Uh, Bojack Horseman. She's yeah. in that. Um, I haven't watched any of that. I don't know if, if you're into that at all. Um, but she, do you remember in the movie Elf with Will Ferrell, um, his dad's secretary at work, Deb, who was kind of always like, oh, he's so cute. Um, no, not that particular movie, but I, I I've seen Amy Sedaris in a lot of stuff. She does. Yeah. Uh, I've seen her in like sketch comedy yep. or, or yep. comedy acting and a lot. Yeah. So, any rate, that that's that's Amy, uh, his sister, uh, as Deb, the the secretary or the whatever the preferred nomenclature is, the administrative assistant uh, to Elf's dad. What was it, Walter? Was that his name? Anyway, man, I haven't seen Elf. You're you're impressing me with your Elf trivia right now, but man, I, I, I don't know. I can't verify that. It's a, it's a, at this present moment. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a funny funny movie. Um, anyway, so uh, there's a story in here about um him picking up litter in uh West Sussex. Yeah. Um, and he is actually called uh, nicknamed uh, by the locals Pigpen. Um, and he has a uh a trash truck um, named after him uh, in honor of his going out and picking up garbage and all of that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, he has not been, as far as I could tell, um, not been nominated for any major literary awards. And we can talk about that much later, um, which caught me a little bit off guard just because he, I don't say he's a household name, but I mean, he's, He's famous as far as like writers are sure. concerned. Like I don't know. I feel like the nature of his work probably 
is is kind of outside of those traditional fields and realms that they award stuff for. Yeah, um, he, and he has he has won some awards and recognition. Uh, most notably, though, he's been nominated three times uh, for Grammys for um, his audiobook version yeah. of uh, of some of his stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's him in a nutshell. I mean, if you read the book, you've already got a better indication of you know who he is and and what he's about than. Sure. I mean the book. I yeah, very personal stories, and 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 you see that in here. In so, uh, let's explore diabetes with Alice by David Sedaris. And I know what you're about to say. You're going to segue into the summary, but I'm already ahead of you, brother. All right, let's hear it. All right, let's explore diabetes with Alice by David Sedaris. Is a collection of narrative essays about travel, family, and other odd foibles. 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 I Do you don't use know. a thesaurus to get that? Maybe. That that's anyway, impressive. Um, let's get into the book. Yes, let's. Let's get into the physical version of the book. So we got this book. Obviously, not very hard to find. I went to Barnes and & Noble mm-hmm. and, and picked mine up. Like I said previously, I think it was in the humor section by all the thousand and one jokes to tell on the toilet and other various like you know humor-related authors. So it felt yeah. a little bit out of place, but you know it was a funny book. Um, but here's, here's my problem with this book. Uh-oh, starting off early. Starting off early. And in, uh, it's fine. I solved it in kind of another way, but okay. or in another roundabout way. But this book um, has a great deal of humor in it, but not in the way that I read it. I read. I started reading this book. Sure. And I'm just reading through it. And I'm like, okay, these are interesting. Okay, this I warned fine. you about this, too. and it's kind of dragging on. And yeah, I know you told me to go out and like listen to Sedaris, but that doesn't really change things because you don't really. Uh, you don't really get a pacing for for the the way that he speaks and the way that he writes because very much it seems like the way that he speaks is very he he writes in a very similar fashion. It's mm-hmm. not um not to not to knock on the way he writes. It's not what I would consider like literary. It's no. very much factual and sarcastic and how you would assume someone telling you a story is if they were kind of conversing with you sure, about sure um you know what's going on. And you do see a little bit of kind of scatteredness when you intersperse like things that are going on in his thoughts and all this other stuff. And uh, it's it can be interesting, but with the subject matter, it didn't it didn't get it, I I wasn't into it at all. I read the whole book and I was like, man, I feel bad because like you picked this out and I remember that we were kind of like, oh, this will be interesting, and I was looking forward to it. Yeah, wasn't into it at all in the slightest. Interesting. So I took it home and I you know I was just kind of like, wow, this is going to be a weird episode. And okay. then I thought to myself, we pushed off recording just a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Gives me a little extra time. I've got an extra Audible credit here or there. I've got a bunch. I'm going to get the audio book because I saw that it was narrated by him. And I said, I'm going to give it another shot. Okay. I'm going to give it, uh, you know, I felt there was there was something in my gut that told me that um, this book is not meant to be read by me. It's meant to be read by him in my brain okay. in a way. Yeah. And that's kind of what the audiobook did. And I will say I thoroughly enjoyed comparatively to reading on my own. I thoroughly enjoyed the audiobook version in compare in comparison. Yeah. I mean there was still the book still has, you know, it's it's faults here or there that that we can get into, but just my own personal experience from it is man, this is this is the first thing that I would I guess recommend uh for sure getting the audiobook version over the actual uh physical copy because just having him read, having kind of him have his own comedic timing and his own voice and his like little elfin voice that just kind of hops around in your head and yeah. and speaks about these things in a certain way and pauses and and you know goes back and forth on all this and the little like weird musical interludes that were in my <laughs> version in between chapters it did make it for a much more enjoyable experience what about you i i know you've read Sedaris previously yeah. and i know that you and your wife are fans 
or maybe more so your wife than you. I, I don't know. I remember you guys telling me about a, a yeah. book reading that you'd gone to with him before. But so, what are your thoughts? So I had I'd read this this exact book before, and um, the 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 first time I read it, I remember having a similar impression that that you sort of described, which is like I'm supposed to like this, but I kind of don't, and I yeah. and I don't know why. And um, the uh, Dallas Museum of Art does this great series called Arts and Letters Live, where they bring in all these you know big writers and and stuff. And uh, and I had just gotten a promotion at work and wanted to do something, so I ended up buying. Uh, it sounds way more impressive than it was. It was not, uh, but I bought VIP like tickets oh, to, oh. to go see him see him read. Yeah, and. Uh, and it it was like fifty bucks. It wasn't like you know anything astounding. Although it's a ridiculous amount of money to for go, book reading. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty high. Um, but any rate, so we literally sat front row, like center at at a reading. And in preparation for that, I had read this book, which uh, at the time uh, had just come out. My wife and I were uh, were just newly minted couple at that at that point, and uh, so. Uh, we read it together and and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I just remember going into that reading like, fuck, I really didn't love this. And, no. you know, whatever. So uh, but then sitting there that night listening to him read, uh, you know, it's it's side splittingly funny at times, um, you know, and especially seeing him, you know, sort of up close and uh, and his his mannerisms and stuff. I mean, he is the person that you see on the page. I mean, yeah. he just. He's quirky, even to the point of, you know, literally we bought VIP tickets, right? And one of the things that when you buy VIP tickets is like you you get priority book signing. And that's like kind of when I when I go to these readings, like I always want to get, you know, a, a signed book if I can. And uh, he, he t- told the story in here about how he would like, you know, pick certain groups of people. And yeah, he did the men same fucking, under five foot six, did the same fucking with thing us. And I, and I don't remember what it was that he picked that night. Um, but I remember my wife had, had left work and it was like a Thursday night. She's not a night person. Uh, she gets up super early in the morning. What? I remember the story cause she told this. I remember who he picked. Who He pick? was on tour with another author and said That's anyone that right. bought that book could, could hop up in line. That's right. Uh, and so, yeah, a bunch of people bought, bought yeah. the book. Um, we didn't, and I can't remember for the life of me who the other author was, but, uh, yeah. So then she ended up being cranky and, and I was like, let's just go. Cause this is not, this is not at all worth it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with your assessment that he is much better listened to than he is read on a page. Yeah. Maybe if you can, I don't know, if you've heard him enough or if you like listen to the book and you can get that sort of uh, that sort of pacing and style and just hear his voice, then I'm sure in the future, like more reading from him will be uh, a little bit more enjoyable from the get go. But yeah, yeah, that was I mean, that was a tough thing to be kind of my first experience with the book. So it did kind of shade a little bit of everything that I'm thinking about this going forward. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I. I enjoyed it enough on audiobook um, that there was there was some redeeming factors in it for me because of that. So let's let's get into some of the like awkwardness of this this thing. So yeah, it, you know, first of all, obviously, 
hopefully everybody's read it. But if you haven't, it's just an amalgamation of real, of personal essays. Yeah, and there's there's like three different styles, right? There's yeah. there's childhood or young adulthood stories about his family. There's stories about travel and a lot that center around kind of his newfound or his success as an author and doing book tours and things of that nature. And then the third one is just kind of like fictional skits one offs where he just sort of writes uh is the first person of a character that is just sort of a part of the small little narrative that he throws in there that are just kind of injected in there a little bit more so towards the end of the book but yeah yeah you get those three kind of things dancing around and playing from story to story so there's not it's not uh you know, it's not like a... It's not a narrative arc. Yeah, it's not like a memoir. I mean, there are yeah. things that we get from one story that kind of play on others, especially when you're talking about his childhood and, and just dealing with his dad and, like, his sister and, and you know, all this sorts of stuff. But there really are, like, kind of isolated episodes. And, you know, in the future, we're getting into more short story stuff. And yeah. it's just interesting to me... Um. Just the way it's done in a more, because, you know, to, to be fair, it's like, okay, well, these are stories. These aren't, you know, these aren't crafted works of, of fiction in small, you know, form in an effort to sure. get an idea or a theme or anything across. Like, at the heart of it, it seems like a lot of these stories are kind of just, hey, look how quirky this is. Or, you know, here's some stupid stuff that my family did or this, you know, weird relationship that I had with my father and, you know, my sister or kind of my my troubles of growing up and not really knowing like my place in the world. Cause I was gay and just all these other things that he's talking about a lot in there. And it's, you know, it's interesting, but sometimes it can be a little bit, uh, weird and jarring from like story to story. Yeah. But you, you walk away, um, you know, having never read his stuff before, you still walk away with an impression of, of who he is and what he's about based on, you know, all these sort of yeah. fragmented, you know, pieces that, that he puts together. Um, but it is kind of strange in that you normally do have, you know, collections, whether it's poetry or, uh, you know, n- nonfiction, short stories that, that usually have some sort of theme or you have chunks of it that sort of uh, go together and you don't really get the same amount of structure. But, you know, I, I don't think with him you should really ever expect that yeah uh necessarily but was was there anything in here that just from like a content like a storytelling wise um that like made you uncomfortable at any point i mean yeah Uh, i think that there was a great deal of things that uh could make you uncomfortable in stories just from you know whatever various aspects you're going from a lot of it um more so in the when he was talking about his childhood um, and just kind of his his travels. I know we had both sort of talked beforehand that a guy walks into a bar car was probably the one story that we both identified as like, okay, this was a story that we kind of uh, identified with, not not necessarily in the same you know way that Sedaris yeah, kind of identified yeah. with sort of the awkwardness and the interaction and uh, just I don't know the. The, the whole longing element, um, you know, when we get towards the end of that, uh, of that section and he's just, it's kind of like, you know, he's, he's a middle-aged man. And so much of this book feels to me kind of like a midlife crisis book. And I can get to more detail on that later, but it's like, you know, he's reflecting on his life after the fact in this, this train ride and, and thinking about, you know, Lebanon and this is even post the the first little bit of it, but 
just just sort of like thinking about how your life is um, changed or not changed and just the I don't know that uncomfortableness behind it. Yeah, I mean that 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 is uncomfortable. I think the 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 kind of like social commentary fiction things that he puts in towards the end are uncomfortable just because they they differ so much from a lot of what's good in the book. A lot of what's good in the book is just kind of this very quirky narrative line of humor and it's injected and then you take everything you take everything that's good about that and you just like oh like ham fisted into into these kind of like little asides and it just feels yeah. very it feels like it like I was like I would expect more um like more nuance in a lot of things he does and maybe that wasn't the point right to be nuanced a lot of it was just kind of like I'm just gonna be super on the nose with my like characterizations of people and just kind of have this sort of ribbing yeah. And uh that would be fine, but I don't think that that's his strong suit as a writer. I think very much like the strength in Sedaris comes from taking these experiences, taking these ideas and thoughts and and stuff within his own life and and just kind of interweaving that with a lot of other stuff that's going on whether it's thoughts that he's having or just other moments in his life. I think he does a really good job with that. But yeah, the 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 fiction stuff and like the I mean the the very last section with the like dog poems yeah I, I don't know it was just it was it was kind of weird it was kind of uncomfortable um, but not in like a uncomfortable make you think kind of way it was just kind of an uncomfortable like this is kind of an awkward thing I, I thought the I, I I thought of him as as kind of skits like especially the yeah. one with the with the with the kid and and his obvious or implied gay uh, friend um, dressing his mom up for the yeah, you know, the, the rally. That one in the traditional marriage one. Yeah, yeah. So like, obviously, yeah, like tongue in cheek kind of satire. Yeah, but but like to me, the 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 points of those, um, you know, were obviously to say like, look how ridiculous is yeah. it that that you feel that gay marriage invalidates like your stuff. Like there, there's a, there's a big social point there and a personal one for, for him to make, yeah. even though he, he has never uh, expressed a desire to, to get married. Um, but uh, just it's, it sort of felt like it was like, here are my, my, my closest and, you know, most current, um, you know, predicaments and I can't deal with them in the same way that I could deal with like, you know, being jealous of my dad's attention when I was a kid or, yeah. you know, my uh, my sort of failure to start, you know, growing up or, or you know, these relationships that didn't pan out and stuff. It, it seemed like where he was like faced with an immediate current predicament that he sort of just threw it in these sketches and didn't yeah. give it the same sort of personalized treatment that he did everything else. And like... I don't know. It was kind of a cop out, I think, for for me because, like, so. you know, like even the Obama like section, right? Like mm. f that didn't do anything for me whatsoever. Well, there was nothing compelling about that, you know, in in any way, shape, or form. Um, and, but the idea of you know politics being discussed, um, you know, across people in different cultures and. Uh, different Just approaches to, yeah. To, yeah, to, yeah. to how to discuss that. Like it was so interesting, um, but yet it just sort of like fell completely flat. So, I, yeah, I found I found those like very unsettling. To your point, not in a not in a thoughtful, thought provoking yeah. way. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was two kinds of like awkwardness. There was the awkwardness with that, where it just kind of felt like it was 
like you said, he was trying to sort of inject these these ideas and these feelings, but didn't really have a great way of going about it. So you kind of create these alternate fictional, you know, little stories to try to to use them as a vehicle for that. And yeah, it was awkward because it didn't really work for me. And then you had the like the genuine awkwardness of, I guess, just seeing kind of the experiences. Like I said, mostly in the in like the childhood and the familial ones, just seeing these experiences. And and you know, you always you always. You always want to be able to to look at a piece or, or look at work like this, especially ones that aren't fiction. You would think that you would find more sort of poignant points for you to to, to latch onto and say, like, oh, I know this feeling, like whatsoever. I know yeah. I 100% get this idea of kind of dealing with uh, that detachment from like a, a father and and having you know that sort of just not you know a stable relationship or not a great relationship or just not knowing kind of how to interact with that or having to compete with you know all these people sure sure like that's i think that was awkward and uncomfortable but like in a good way as a reader like it's it's one of those where it's like i can relate to this i can relate to this kind of i can relate to this kind of and that's you know that's what you want to pull out of books like this i feel like that's the i feel like that's what you should pull out of books like this other than the humor like what else yeah this is something i'm not going to go back and reread i mean it's not there's not you know there's not intense themes or intense you know, lessons to be learned. It's mostly, it's just, Hey, you know, this is a moment where I can kind of just absorb into these stories and, and relate with them how I will and go, Oh, that's interesting. And, and take it for what it is. Yeah. You know, I, before we move too far away from the, the idea of those little skits, one thing that I did, I did think about was, um, in the, uh, mind the gap one where he's like, you know, using all of the colloquial language for, uh, the UK, uh, that that kind of struck me as funny, just because um, because we we spend every summer in the UK, um, and and when you go over there, there are different names for things. Yeah, and like the, there's this constant struggle with: Am I gonna ask for something in what I know that you call it, or what I call it? Because you know that I'm an American, and that's what yeah. I call it. And uh, yeah, so th- there's like this this constant sort of. Uh, self-consciousness about like what words I'm, I'm going to pick. Um, and it's always funny to me because I'll, I'll come back, um, from, from a trip or even hanging out with like, you know, my buddy rich or whatever, and everything's lovely and everything's brilliant. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's just, you sort of absorb this, this language. And, um, I thought of all of those, that one to me, um, resonated sort of at the end where, you know, he was, obviously sort of withdrawing from his native roots, obviously from, from a a citizenship standpoint, but also his, his family and sort of the overarching narrative of his his mother, um, being gone. And, uh, that was the one exception, I think to the, to the skits that that hit with me personally for those reasons, I guess. I can get that. I, I can understand that. Um, like I said, I just, I, I don't know all the, all the, all the skits, in varying degrees just had one little thing for me that was just, it was kind of like, eh, just, it just nagged at you in a little bit of way that, uh, it just felt counter to a lot of the stuff that was good about everything else in the book. So did you have like a favorite, a favorite essay or, or two? Well, yeah, like we said, talking about it, uh, I liked a guy walks into a bar car I think we both were really high on that. Standing by was another one I liked. I liked Laugh Kookaburra and Easy Tiger. Okay. I really liked Easy Tiger. I did not 
like that one because really? it made me uncomfortable. Why? Because that was the one where he was talking about like everybody spitting flam and stuff in China, right? Or am I confusing that with a different one? Am I, did I pick a different? Well, no, no, no. I'm thinking of the one uh, where he's just he's he's thinking about uh, the just a position, just a, <laughs> I can't speak. Where he's he's juxtaposition. talking juxtaposition between uh, just like learning Japanese and learning uh, German and just oh, kind of the linguistic uh, approach to that via um, the various like methods that you would use to sort of train yourself. Whether it's I forget the 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 three different. Uh, Oh, the three different methods, but where you're kind of like learning how to construct sentences and construct this stuff in these languages or versus you're just learning phrases and you just yeah. plug them in as kind of like non sequiturs and stuff. Was that easy tiger? Was that a different one? No, no, no. I may you're, be you're, wrong. you're on the right page. Yeah, because because he uh, he makes the the reference to, by the way. German has the best words for everything just because they have these these I feel like giant... you're a little I feel like you're a little biased. No, 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 no. Well, I, I do I do enjoy I do enjoy my my German heritage, but I'm, okay, I'm just yes. saying. I had to double check. It was. Yeah. It's in fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Easy Tiger. Yeah. So the, I, I did like. I circled that one word. It was Liebenschnitzpartner. I don't even know. All right. I can't I'm gonna even... I'm gonna ruin this, but do or it. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this. But here we go. Do it. The, uh, this is this was one of the parts that was one of my favorites in here. There's no discord in Pimsleur's Japan, but it's Germany is a moody and often savage place. In one of the exercises, you're encouraged to argue with a bellhop who tries to cheat you out of your change and who ends up sneering. You don't understand German. Oh, but I do, you learn to say. I do understand German. It's a program full of odd sentence combinations. We don't live here. We want mineral water. Implies that if the couple did live in this particular town, they'd be getting drunk like everyone else. Another standout <laughs> is, here's a German phrase that I'm going to butcher. Yeah. Der Wein, der Wein ist... The wine is too expensive and you talk too fast. The response to this the response to this would be anything else, her asshole. But of course they don't teach you that. I don't know. I just I you know, you always hear that that it's yeah. kind of like ah oh, German the language or just like kind of the disposition of uh of dealing with people is very much more just graded versus versus other things. I just thought it was hilarious to see that within here and kind of that uh, versus the the Japanese, yeah, but like the, I, the Germans, just like they'll combine like entire phrases or concepts into a single word, and it's yeah. not like a it's not graceful by any means. No. It's like a fifteen syllable word, but like the the one in here where he, where he has the the German word for the person that I'm with today, yes, and it literally means like the, the like the uh, person who you're with that I'm in with. that moment, yeah. yes. And uh, and same thing with like uh, like Schadenfreude, like you know the good feeling you get when when bad things happen like, yeah. or to to somebody you don't like. Like there are all these phrases in German that just I, make it hilarious to me. No, the 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 story I was thinking of, I did enjoy Easy Tiger. Okay, um, it was number two to go when he goes to China. Yes, okay. Um, I, I confused those two, and and like. For some reason, like there are just certain bodily functions that like that like make me highly uncomfortable. Like my wife and I deal with this with the dog, right? So, okay. uh, you know, sometimes the dog gets sick or the dog goes to the bathroom in the house, and like we have our preferred like cleanup roles, and luckily they are completely opposite of each other. But like, Ooh, that's I, interesting. You're not a vomit guy. You're a you're a I, you're, I'm I'm the vomit poop. guy. You're I'd the vomit I'd rather, guy. I'd rather deal with really. Vomit. Yeah, for sure. Than like poop and pee. 
Yeah. From a dog? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and I don't know why, because I, I mean, I find it all disgusting. It's not like I'm just like, oh, yeah, whatever. I mean, I guess it's not like, well, all right, let's power rank the stuff that can come out of your dog. All right. Clearly at the top, we've got vomit. So you're on the right. I mean, yeah, I get you. But like the, the, the other thing that I, I really appreciate about, about David is that, um, he is obviously uh, conscious about his like cleanliness and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the older I get, especially with, with my wife working in schools and like kids getting sick and, and all of that kind of stuff, I'm always like washing my hands and like hand sanitizer. This one I, I came over, I came over to the studio today. Yeah. Spoiler it's studio yeah. in quotes. It's your office. But, and I, uh, I noticed in the kitchen on the, uh, on the Island, you had like seven new things of, uh, of hand soap. Yeah. Um, just well, stocking up. So, so I always have to have stuff like that, like in reserve. And my wife likes that, like Myers stuff. Yeah. So she ended up buying a, like, sample pack. And I was like, fantastic. Yeah. What I am to beer, she is to soap, apparently. Um, so she's indulging me a little bit on that. But anyway, that was sort of the, the reason that number two to go made me uncomfortable because, like, yeah, they're, they're different, like, hygiene things you know just in general between different countries but you know china especially has some different practices and i just found that entire idea of like ugh, just i can't i don't even want to think about it it's just yeah. it's just gross like yeah. wash your hands wipe your ass like you know have a normal toilet like those just you know and i, I realize there are other socioeconomic and cultural things to do with that but uh yeah it just grossed me the hell out so it made me like super deeply uncomfortable reading that yeah but it's outside of that okay, stories so that you like stories stories that i liked i did i did again like the uh guy walks into a bar car sure. just you know for for a lot of the same reasons but like i think outside of just the the relatability of it was i i felt like it was one of the few times where he like really let his guard down yeah in anything and um the uh what was the one with his dad uh mindless laps i think or uh mind laps where he's where his dad was doting on the the other swimmer oh yeah yeah um and and so that was the other one um if that's the right one i'm thinking of that that he sort of you know let it all uh let it all kind of hang out and like you know emotionally he's not trying to be you know funny or, or any of that sort of stuff he just sort of breaks it all down um but the uh the thing that i that I actually enjoyed memory lapse memory lapse uh the thing i enjoyed the most i think was the the day in and day out where um he was chronicling um like all of his journal entries and stuff and uh and you know i obviously i i have a um interest as as a fellow writer you know sort of in that like there is sort of a voyeuristic um collection of of things that that you do um you know when you you want to remember things but um and then you know when he tells a story about his laptop later on and and that getting stolen just how that's like you know i forget it was like three months or you know two months of work that was just gone and he felt like you know he it was Hugh made the point, like, you know, this is time you lived. It's not really lost, but if you can't chronicle it, it is lost. And while I'm not like neurotic to that, to that point, um, by any means, you know, I sort of do empathize that, uh, you know, whether it's, whether it's pictures or, um, 
you know, hard drive stuff, uh, you know, when the computer goes bad, like there is like a sense of loss when you like create something. And even if you have never no intent ever of, of using that for any purpose, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just, that that one for me, uh, outside of the, the little anecdotes being funny, the the story in the airport about uh, the lady, somebody shaved her cat. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I think that one was was my favorite, but that was kind of one of the kind of one of those stranger ones. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, I did like there was one there was one quote in here that it was the only thing in the book that I read that I was like, God, I love that. Like just from a completely like writing literary like kind of thing. And this was from the loggerhead story where they bring the. Okay. Yeah. With the, with the turtles. Yes. Uh, that was another one. That one. I don't know if I would classify that as like my favorite, but it was, it was one that I, uh, I got out. Like I got some, some, I at least got something out of it. It wasn't just kind of a, you read it and you go, interesting. All right. Next one. Yeah. I, I just, to me, this was one of the more like literary ones. Um, especially when when he's talking about his, his friend, Sean and, and, uh, and all of that kind of stuff. And his dad. Yeah. And and his dad passed away. Yeah. And how he's just sort of like, you know, going through it all just to, just to get to adulthood. And, um, you know, obviously I, I think this, I think this is the, the strong suit of, of him in general as a writer is that, um, he doesn't really sugarcoat anything. Huh. And, and even in the, in the gross things, right? Like the, uh, the taxidermied arm where he wants to poke it. Like you're like, all right, that's fucked up, but I, I might poke a taxidermied arm if it was in front of me. Yeah. You know what I mean, like I, you know, I want to see those things, but at any rate, the, the one thing in this whole book that just like that, that I loved was, um, it's on page 60, I guess, depending on your version Ooh. of the book in the loggerheads, uh, story where um, he's he's talking about uh, Sean's parents and he says um, their house had real hard covered books in it and you often saw them lying open on the sofa the words still warm from them being read and I just I loved the idea of of you know like books laying around and like you know you get up from a, a chair or a couch or something um, and somebody else sits down like you know they feel you know, you're you, somebody was just there, right? Or you're in yeah. an airport, a restaurant, whatever it is, right? And just that idea of like, you know, something that was that was just warm from somebody else's touch, I thought was was just a wonderful um, metaphor. But um, yeah, that was that was about it. I think um, you know, as a writer, he deals with uh, he deals with humor very well and sarcasm and, and those, those mechanisms of humor. Well, yeah, I think that's obviously a strong suit. The just he's he has a very sarcastic wit mm-hmm. and all just kind of, I don't know. Uh, there are elements of like vulgar humor in there, but it's, it's always sure. done so kind of on the level that it just, it flows, you know, so well between just, the the normal little tidbits of just general sarcasm about where he's traveling or his book tour at Costco or yeah. anything like that. So it's funny you mentioned that because I want to talk about a like a big a big concept here. And I was I was okay. uh, I was reading up. Um, heaven help me, I can't remember where where I read this, but um, 
he was getting that story published in the New Yorker, okay. I think. And uh, it was under the uh, umbrella of nonfiction. And um, they are notorious for fact-checking. Um, and uh, as part of their process, they you know wanted to fact-check, like, was the box of condoms really the size of a cinder block? And, uh, you know, did you actually go to Costco and, you know, all these all these different kind of details about about things, which, you know, you would maybe do if you were publishing something that was that was nonfiction. And this is something that like that follows him around in conversation a lot when it comes to giving him the nonfiction label um, is that. You know, he he tends to exaggerate certain things and. Um, yeah, the, the box of condoms probably wasn't the size of, uh, the size of the, um, of the cinder block or whatever, but for you knowing that maybe he embellishes with details like that, does that take anything away from the nonfiction nature of, of what he's doing or do you care? I guess Um, is what I'm asking. Not really. I, uh. So I approached this book, you know, you're you're a little ways in it and uh, you you kind of get a feel for where it's going. And it never strikes me as a book that's trying to be this very accurate recollection or, or, or story or, you know, memoirs or anything like that, where it's, you know, everything is highly factual and this is exactly how it happened. It, I feel like the fact that the, the goal, first and foremost, is to be funny or at yeah. least to have humor in there. That, that comes with the territory of you're going to have exaggerative bits or you're going to sort of lambast these things in a way that, you know, kind of fudges with them a little bit. Like, that yeah. doesn't bother me um, because that's not the point of the book, at least the way I feel having read it. The point of the book isn't to say, well, here's, you know, my story. The point of the book is to say, well, here's a little funny thought that I had, you know, when I was on this trip or when I was, you know— a kid and and my dad was you know wearing just his underwear and and trying to choke out boys that he thought you know <laughs> called my mom uh, a bitch or something like yeah. that so yeah no it doesn't really bother me um i i guess i can understand uh the idea of being sticklers if you're going to label something as nonfiction, you open yourself up to that sort yeah. of criticism that it's like well you know maybe you lied about this maybe this seems a little bit too crazy to have actually happened and we can't really confirm it. So, you know, it's kind of, we have, we have skepticism on this, but for me personally, nah, it doesn't bother me. You know, it's just not the kind of book that I, I, I would look at that degree of scrutiny with. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I tend to, to agree to a point, but like, you know, there's, there's a, the big like literary conversation here because, um, it is a, a a line that you know people who write under this sort of creative nonfiction umbrella, um, you know they they have to respect, and you know writers have have crossed over that before. I mean, to, to the blatant um, degree of of writing experiences that that never happened, like you know childhoods that never existed. I mean, people have have gotten caught doing things like that. The book, their- the book that's coming to mind, wasn't there uh, a million little pieces or something? It was a memoir guy wrote that was in the Oprah Book Club, and it was this really big deal about him like dealing with drug addiction or something. Yeah, and it comes out a lot of that stuff was fake. Yeah, and- yeah. Um, 
I guess that's the thing that comes to mind to me when I'm thinking about that. Yeah, and that, and that's a perfect example is, you know, you sort of you get, you know, people like that who just embellish, you know, big truths about who they are or their, or their life experiences. Yeah. Uh, you get um, sort of uh, something that I would call the middle ground and, and acceptable as long as people understand, which is um, sort of this idea of filling in gaps of time. Um, if you're trying to write a narrative piece, whether it's memoir or yep. um, or some sort of personal essay, where m- maybe you're you're filling in um, details with things that have a sense of being true that were true to the the situation, right? Um, yep. But maybe didn't occur or a conversation that you couldn't fully recollect because you didn't record it or such a thing didn't exist, and you know, but. You know the people involved. You you sort of fill in the blanks, um, and that's that's kind of like the the middle ground. I I think for me and and the part where as long as you're transparent with people and you're not saying like, hey, this is literal. Th- this is literal truth. There was a box of condoms the size of a cinder block. You can measure it and be sure that it is it is absolute truth. Um, or you can understand that like he's going for the humor of it and yeah. that hyperbole is funny ev- sometimes. Well. But but also, I think the point that he made to the New Yorker was that, you know, when something like a box of condoms is in your cart, it might as well be as big as, as a cinder block. And like, I mean, having bought them in the past myself, even as a married man in my 30s, like still you're just like, all right, well, this is weird. Like, I got to find some other shit to throw in here so people don't look at me like I'm crazy, yeah. even though it's a completely responsible thing to do. There's just some sort of weird like shame factor and I don't know maybe it's just being American I don't know um but at any rate so you know I think it's more so well with that specifically it's more so you're walking around because you're uncomfortable because you see other people and they see what you have and they think well he's gonna put those on his penis and you're just like well I don't want <laughs> I don't want strangers thinking about the things that I do with my penis in my own private time like Jesus Christ that's it's yeah you're just like well what are they thinking are they judging me yeah, I mean, should I get a size up? Like, is that what is that what this what this needs to be right now? Yeah, yeah. I guess I never really uh, consciously thought about it yeah. to that degree, but subconsciously, I think I think sure you you hit on the the heart of the, the matter. same thing with underwear. Like, it, it's it's I don't know if that's as uncomfortable, no. but like if you go to the store and you're just like buying underwear, and no. it's just like, well, someone's thinking that I'm I'm gonna just like have these in, on my balls, and you know, it's just. It's gonna be weird. I have Just never once thought about like underwear being uncomfortable to buy. Uh, situationally, like if I if if I'm uh, what? No, no, no. I'm not not like not like, if I'm like by myself and I'm just going to the store to get underwear. Like a lot of times, it's like people that you're with. Yeah. Can can make that uncomfortable. It's like, oh hey mom, I need to go grab some underwear real quick. You go, uh, you go hang out over there. I don't know. Whatever. We're getting I, off I on a tangent yeah, here. I, I, I don't, I don't Listen, share this. This isn't a therapy session for me. So Dude, we'll just, started we'll it. just skip you over started it. It's it. fine. Um, anyway, back to the, the, the nonfiction thing is that there, there really is, is a, a, a big, big conversation um, around this and this sort of the, the creative nonfiction genre where, where, you know, you're sort of using elements of fiction to tell a story Um in a in a way that is it is rooted in true events, not in a way that like you know this like you'd see a TV show or, or a movie say based on true events. Like no, this this stuff should be to a high degree um, factual stuff. 
yeah. um, that, that you're writing about, like, where do you sort of draw those lines? And, you know, he, he's gotten a lot of flack for, um, you know, kind of flirting that line with exaggeration and, and, um, all of that kind of stuff. I don't know, you know, I haven't read all of, all of his, his work. You can see it a few times in this, but, you know, I think this still falls down into that category for me of like, you know, you get a sense of the truth in, in whatever situation he's telling. And, and, you know, even, um, even in the skits, uh, that are a little bit more jarring, right? Like maybe those are bits and pieces of things that, that he's thought about, right? Like maybe he saw a protester on TV and thought, I'd like to put her in, in a, in a dyke shirt and a KKK hat, whatever that's called. Uh, and, uh, and just show her true colors, like, you know, or embarrass her, uh, when she doesn't even, you know, know that it's, that it's happening. Right. So, um, but I'm going to write a weird little anecdote about it, even though, you know, that never actually happened. Um, I still think to a certain degree, there's, there's an element of truth, um, to that, but then you kind of get into that weird area of didn't happen. So why, how can you throw it in with the, with the rest of this stuff? So anyway, I, I just think it's interesting because everybody, and I mean, you've even said you, you read a lot of like nonfiction. I stuff, do read a lot of nonfiction. biographies and history and that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, but you know, outside of that, you've got the memoir stuff, personal essay, you know, um, uh, travel writing is big food writing. I mean, would even fall under, under that as well. Um, so anyway, like if, if anybody's curious about like, you know, different, uh, perspectives on sort of the, the truth and all that kind of stuff, there, there's a lot of really good books out there. Um, and there's a couple good essays that immediately came to mind. There's one by Mimi Schwartz called memoir fiction. Where's the line? Um, and then there's one by Annie Dillard and she, she's written a lot of stuff about, um, nonfiction craft and all of that. Um, but there's a particular essay called seeing that I think is really good. Um, but there's like whole collections on, you know, different, uh, different like narrative styles within nonfiction and all sorts of stuff. So if anybody actually liked, um, this, uh, you know, collection and wants to see like, you know, different styles or, uh, formats or get into like sort of the, you know, literary conversation around, around nonfic. There's a couple things you can, you can go chase down. Um, is there anything else in this book that you want to talk about before we get to our ratings? No, I feel like we covered everything that I, that I had on my mind about it. It's uh this is an interesting episode just because, this is the first foray in something like this, and and that's going to kind of be the theme going forward for us, at least for the rest of the fall. We've got a lot of uh, interesting uh, things coming up, especially yeah. with you know our next episode, and then Cathedral later on when we yeah. keep going around with short stories and stuff like that. So I may pair the uh, the Cathedral collection down to a few stories. Okay, but TBD. TBD. On that. Yeah. But anyway, this think about that. this book. Um, yeah, let's get to our ratings. I'll let you go first. This was your pick. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think I think you make a really good point that this is more enjoyable as an audiobook than it is a read. And yeah. having having read this book, heard him read from this book, and then read this book again, I think that I'm okay with putting it on my bottom shelf. Okay. 
I might consider putting it on the middle shelf, but only so somebody sees it and I can say, you know what? This would be something freaking great to go listen on Audible on a road trip if you want some laughs and don't want to listen to music the whole way. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to leave it bottom shelf just because I think the the format doesn't do his storytelling justice. Yeah. This is weird for me. Part of me wants to donate it and just say, hey, get the audiobook. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to keep it. I'm going to put it on bottom shelf as well for pretty much similar reasons. Like it was, uh, it was enjoyable enough. I can recommend it to a good enough deal of people. Although again, I'm recommending the audiobook for it. So physical copy is more just a, uh, an avenue into that than anything else. So yeah, keep it, put it bottom shelf. Not really, uh, not really checking off so many boxes for me, but it checks off enough to keep it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we sort of switched up the, uh, the format for once. Um, you know, I, I think doing the, the long form like fiction stuff is, has been, has been good. I feel like this is a good, easy way to sort of get some nonfiction into, into our system yeah. and, uh, and kind of, I'm, I'm definitely down to, to go back into some narrative nonfiction and, and maybe other forms too. Not so much like short story, but yeah, I've got some, some long form memoirs That'd be um, cool. that I've, I have on my shelf that I haven't read. Um, so maybe we can, we can talk through some of those sometime and, and come up or better idea. If somebody that listens to this podcast has something that they want to recommend, you can hit us up on Twitter at Better Bookshelf, and you can see a picture of Jacob reading this book. Yes, thank from you our for that. Twitter feed. Thank you, you again for putting that out there on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, I you put that on, on my, social media. I and put then, it on my private <laughs> Instagram account that is I told private. Turderperperper. Good luck spelling it, but. Yeah, no, it's fine. I look good. Obviously. You do. Look, you do look good, and you look intelligent. Oh, obviously. Um, okay, so let's let's talk next set of books or short You're, stories. Yes, it's yeah. my. This is my pick. So we're gonna get super spoopy for Halloween. Our next episode is gonna kind of be the Halloween episode. So, like I had uh, teased beforehand, we're gonna do a really, really uh, brief sort of three story short story collection. Uh, two of them by Washington Irving, that being The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and uh, The Devil and Tom Walker. And then the third one's going to be Young Goodman Brown by Nathaniel Hawthorne. All of them, again, kind of in the uh, late 18th, early 19th century. You know, macabre deals with the devil. Uh, just sort of, you know, have a little spooky flavor to the uh, to the podcast for the season. I'm excited about those. Yeah, I, it'll be fun. I, I know I took, uh, I might have mentioned it, a whole class on um poe hawthorne and melville in uh in college and uh it was it was greatness i mean we we read you know some of the things you would expect but reading um some of the other things that you didn't expect young goodman brown uh especially um it was it was good and uh yeah sleepy hollow one of those things like you know you see you know or you, you read in you've school you've seen in mediums yeah, other yeah. mediums but not necessarily read the source you just you, there's yeah. got to be a german word for that thing you know but you've never had direct interaction with sure and it's um, just one word yeah I, I don't, phrase yeah. it up yeah uh maybe i'll i'll invent that um after that episode 17 uh we've got the night country by Stuart onan um and then after that is your pick again after that's my pick again we kind of left it up in the air last time but i decided we're gonna do steppenwolf by herman hess 
Oh. Herman Hesse. Hesse. Right. I don't, I'm not sure exactly the pronunciation of the last name. I know it's... Uh, We've got to get better at this. It's... it's uh, I don't know. I'll look it up. But um, highly acclaimed book. Added it to the list. And I'm um, excited about it. Uh, and then after that, we're going to do Cathedral by Raymond Carver. Uh, then we're going to do A Christmas Carol by Dickens. Yes, yes. And then our final episode, which will come out on New Year's Eve, is going to be TBD. I'm gonna, I'm, I want to think this over. I've, I've got some sci-fi recommendations, uh, and I'm very tempted to select one of those. Okay, that'd be interesting. So to finish off our finish off our first uh, well not our first full year but to finish off 2018. Yeah, but I really I'm holding out for one reason. I really want someone to come up with a very good suggestion for us to read, so we get some interaction from our little book cult. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm holding out for that. I'll hold out for that. If you're out we there, we cult. don't buy. It. Uh, very true. All right. On that note. We're going to end the episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, next time we have Legend of Sleepy Hollow, The Devil and Tom Walker, and Young Goodman Brown. Until next time. 